What's up, y'all? This is John, and I have Mike with me on the podcast today. We're going to talk about the 2002 SEC Championship game. And so this is a series that we're planning on doing the offseason. Um, call it to – we're going to call it To Hell With Everyone, a uh, a look back at some pivotal games in the program. And so Mike is the guest today because he won the Bowl Mania Challenge. And if I'm not mistaken, you also won the Fantasy League. Um, no, I think I came in second in the in the Fantasy League. Um, the last couple weeks – um, just got snake bitten with like injuries and stuff like that. I think I think I came in second, but I think it was close. Like I made the championship at least. But I'm gonna have know, to. I'm gonna have to go back in there and figure it out because I had to switch phones with like three weeks left in the season, and uh, I have no idea what happened at the end because <laughs> my phone just a lot of a lot of technological situations and. Uh, and what I had going on. But um, so Mike won our Bowl Mania Challenge, and he is going to be the guest for this in our first of the To Hell With Everyone series. So as we talked about a minute ago, we are uh, we're talking about the 2002 SEC Championship game, and this is the first championship game that the University of Georgia won because the championship game model was uh, was inducted in two th- or nineteen ninety two. Yeah, that's I believe right. it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was our first appearance. Period. Or was I first- believe it is. Yep. So um, yeah, this two thousand two, and this game was against the Arkansas Razorbacks. So we're going to set the backdrop here a little bit. Um, just talk about the coaches, what was going on in the SEC a little bit at the time. And so this was Mark Rick's second season in Athens. He came in during the 2001 season. Um, and this game against Arkansas was the first time they had played since 69. Nice. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, – I want to say it was the Sugar Bowl back when Arkansas was in the South or the Big. They were in different conferences. I don't remember like what the South, they were in way with back the Southwest Conference at that point. I believe so. Yeah, because yeah. Southwest turned into the Big Eight, which turned into the Big Twelve. And now there's um, ten teams, but there's going to be sixteen 14. or however many. God knows, yeah, however many now with Texas, Oklahoma still being in there. Yeah. Um, Numbers are not the strong suit of college football conferences. That's why, you know, the whole Southeastern Conference, Atlantic Coast, Coast Conference, those are those are good ones. They don't limit themselves. Yeah. No, not at all. Pac-12. Um, back to the actual the game and the coaching staff stuff. So Mark Rick's second season in Athens, his first SEC championship game appearance – um, the offensive coordinator was Neil Calloway, who was the offense coordinator until after the 2005 season, where he left to be UAB's head coach. And he is actually currently the Michigan Panthers head coach in the USFL. Oh, okay. Little little tie-in for Mike, unintentionally. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the DC was Brian Van Gorder. Who left to be the Jaguars linebackers coach. And 
He is currently the head coach at American Heritage High School, which a lot of Georgia fans know that name because there's a good bit of Georgia players that get recruited out of American Heritage High School. Um, Something I thought was interesting. In 2002, Sanford Stadium was in its last season with a capacity of less than 90,000 seats with 86,520. And Georgia had not won an SEC title since 1982 before this game. So it had been 20 years. Can't say that anymore. It's been like eight weeks. Yeah, I was going to say it. A couple weeks. It's been two weeks since we won an Addy. So it's it's a drama. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be 40 more years. That, that, that's what everyone keeps saying. I, I mean, <laughs> shit, I'm not good at numbers, but it's not not 40 years. Yeah, I'm no mathologist, but two <laughs> or one in 40 to, or don't add up. I don't do math, okay? <laughs> no. Um, so going over to the Arkansas coaching staff, you got Houston Nutt, which – All-time name. All, all-time name, <laughs> but also – all-time character in the yep. SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was the head coach and offensive coordinator. And first, when he got to Arkansas, he didn't call the plays. And then, I want to say one or two seasons in, he decided he was going to call plays. And this was his second season calling plays. Um, and the last time Houston Nutt coached was in 2011 as the head coach of Ole Miss. So that was uh that was right before the freeze era. Oh man. And what you know, time? just moving right into the freeze era, David Womack was the defensive coordinator, and he was Hugh Freeze's last defensive coordinator. Mm. So lots of uh lots of Hugh Freeze tie-ins in the game for that he wasn't even close to being involved in. Oh. Um, so so, you know, y'all know we like to throw a little bit of shade at Alabama every time we get an opportunity to. So, in 2002, Alabama was supposed to play in the SEC championship game, right? They'd won the most games. Um, wrong. They were disqualified as part of their NCAA probation two-year postseason ban for the death penalty for paying players before it was legal. Um and this band was for the 0203 seasons. And a um, I want to say it was a New York Times article that I read. It may have been Associated Press. I can't really remember. But the NCAA official that was interviewed about this said this was these were some of the worst and most serious violations that had ever occurred in the history of the NCAA. Hmm. And if you've seen the ESPN um ESPN documentary Pony Express. That's saying something. I was gonna say, like, it, it was it really that much worse, or I I can't imagine. I mean, if you haven't seen Pony Express, I man, I can't even remember the name of the guy that like the whole thing was around. Uh, was it D- Dickerson? Eric Dickerson. Yeah, it, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, and. It, so the, the one wasn't thing it, I remember geez, who wasn't um the guy um oh my god um it kind of has a tie into Mike Leach as well the um back when Mike Leach was at Texas Tech I know this is kind of a tangent like the uh the kid that he locked in the in the not the closet but like the the team shed or whatever 
oh, what the hell was his name? Like his dad was like an analyst at ESPN. I think he played on that SMU team as well. Like I remember seeing him in that documentary a lot. I can't cannot remember his name for the life of me. Um, but he was on that team too. He was pretty good. I think he was a running back, a wide receiver, but um, he might've been in the same backfield as uh, Dickerson. Dickerson. So the, the thing I remember most from that, that documentary, and it's been a few years since I watched it is one day Eric Dickerson drove up and he came from a poor family. He drove to high school in a brand new silver Trans Am brand new off the showroom floor. Um, and then that night he went home and changed his commitment to SMU and showed up the next day to school in a brand new gold Trans Am. They weren't even trying to hide it back in the day. No, uh, that oil money deep. Whew. Um, so that's kind of it for the like set the stage backdrop of what was going on that we're going to talk about. So we watched, well, I watched, I should say, I'm going to pull it back up, the uh, YouTube account that posted it because they deserve yeah. all of the love and appreciation. They're um, the only one that had it. The only account that had it was P-R-S-O-N Mike on YouTube. God bless him. And he had the whole thing. Like he had the Georgia specific intro and Which all the cutaways. Amazing. That got me so hyped listening uh, to Larry, like, just do that intro. Like, like fuck the Arkansas intro yes. to it. I mean, that was fine, too. But the Larry one, just like, right away, chef's kiss. Yes. I love how during Mark Rick's tenure and up until Larry Munson retired, they just leaned all the way into it. Mm. Like, they were – Larry Munson is the fan's voice. Mm. Po- point blank, period. Um, but even if you don't want to go back and watch this entire game, just go back and watch the first few minutes with that Larry Munson intro. Chills. You will get chills, but you will also yeah. realize that Athens hasn't changed at all. No. <laughs> nope. The cars are a little newer, some of them, I should say. Um, but Athens is quite literally exactly the same. And so this is something that, that cracked me up. When you go back and watch this, if you go back and watch this, one of the first things that uh, Todd Blackledge and Vern Lundquist say on, on the broadcast, they're like, this is broadcast in high definition. <laughs> yeah, we had a good laugh um, about this. I can't even read the numbers on the field, man. It looked like the field was painted on glass because there was no definition to see actual turf. <laughs> I, I I gotta I gotta chalk that up to like maybe some like maybe the guy that uploaded it like recorded it on VHS and then like digitized it because that's the only explanation like because I, I do not remember it looking that grainy and, and difficult to look at I don't like it it was twenty years ago it wasn't like it was in the, like the the cocktail party in nineteen eighty I will say though if that's considered high def then I don't need glasses because without glasses I see the world in ultra HD eight K. Yeah, no, I got 16K without glasses if that's HD. Like, you it – was, it was awful. Just go, just go back and watch a few minutes. The quality of video back then was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, talking about Vern, man, back in the day, he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. He was coherent. He didn't mess up anybody's name. Yeah. 
Like he got Musa Smith right every time. <laughs> and today he would have been like, Musa Smith. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, he sounded so smart. It blew my mind because I don't remember a time where you were like, man, Vern knows what he's talking about. Well, even like when you throw it back to like the uh, the blackout game against Auburn, like that was only what five years later. Even he sounded old as shit then, you know. Like yeah. I mean, he looked like he was barely hanging on, you know, by a thread. Like when he was, you know, cranking that Soldier Boy, and like just five years, I guess. Man. <laughs> I don't know how old he is then or how old he was during the game, but it he, yeah, he looked got old. old quick. He looked old during the game. Yeah, but like yeah, he old, was like, sounding intelligent and all that. He sounded intelligent. He knew what he was talking about. At one point, he broke down like, well, this is an unbalanced line, and this is what they're doing on this play, and it wasn't it, – like it – no mention of Alabama, which, mind-blowing. Right. Um, go ahead. Oh, so Todd, Todd Blackledge was nice, too. I didn't realize that they were a tandem because I wasn't – I mean, at that point in my, like, fandom, I was only watching, like, Big Ten games, unfortunately. Um they were a nice tandem. I like the way they, you know, they played off of each other um, quite a bit. A lot, a lot better than uh, than uh, Gare Bear and him. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Uh, Vern and Todd back in the day, and Todd looked young. He looked yeah. like he had just graduated college. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, man, I know 20 years is a long time, but that's wild just how much those two specifically have changed. Mm -hmm. Is um, Burns still doing, like, golf? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, I don't watch golf, but, like, I know he did, like, golf commentating or he did it, like, here and there for, like, CBS. I have no idea, like, but I, I mean, I know obviously he doesn't do football anymore, but. The only time I have watched golf on television was during COVID when they did that, the match thing. Yeah, yeah. And I watched like two or three holes and I was like, I can't do this. It's only the Masters for me. I know he, I think I want to say he did it for a little bit on CBS when they had like the whole thing, but like, not that I watch it like intently, like that's just like, you know, background noise and stuff like that. And just wanting to go there and just looking at the scenery. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, while we're on the subject of people that looked younger, man, seeing young Mark Rick. And then knowing the health that he's in now makes me so, so sad. Did you see him at the Polynesian Bowl? I didn't. He so I I don't know if it's a new thing, but like like Nico, like the the Tennessee quarterback was playing in it. And I think yeah. uh, uh, Dominic, not Dom, yeah, uh, Riola. I can't. I Dominic Riola was Dylan Riola. Dylan, yeah. He, I think he was playing in it as well. It was, like, on the NFL Network, and it was, like, like they played, like, in a high school, like, in Hawaii. But, like, Mark, I mean, God, man, Parkinson's is such a son of a bitch. Like, he it, – it sucks. Yeah. No, I mean, like, just – and he was young when he took the job. But, man, I hope nothing but the best for him – in his health because seeing how he used to be and even up until like the end of his career in Athens, like, man, the last few years have taken a toll on him. And it's very sad. He's only six. He's, he's about to turn 63. Like he's so young still. Yeah. Man. So. Hmm. 
Yeah. No, fuck Parkinson's. Yeah. yeah fuck it. We're, we're disavow Parkinson's disease. We don't have any time for that. Yeah, we are we are a very anti-Parkinson's disease podcast. Yeah, if you if you like Parkinson's, fuck right off. We don't need you here. <laughs> <laughs> um but man, that early 2000s Georgia gear that they were wearing on the sidelines. Like I don't know if it's just the whole retro sports stuff that I've been into lately, but it looks so good. You're talking about like the coaches, like the co- like the coaches, like uh, yeah, you know, jackets, the like windbreakers wind and, and stuff, stuff like that. Oh my god, yes, yes, hundred percent. Like I've got a more modern windbreaker, but I want like I want a two thousand two windbreaker. It'd probably like be falling apart and walking. give me cancer, but I still want it. <laughs> oh, for sure, absolutely. And just pretty much all of the aesthetics without the uniforms. Mm-hmm. Because the old SEC logo, I like it better. The diamond with the lines. I don't know. I Yeah, I like it for the nostalgia purposes. Like, it's about, like the way it, it goes on the uniform. Like, that's I think that's more aesthetically pleasing than just the, you know, what we have now. I didn't like the yeah. logo of the actual SEC championship game, though. Oh, I don't even remember seeing it. it. I'm trying to pull it up right now. I thought I had it up here. But Georgia used to have the black flags with the red G's on them that they carried around. Bring those back yesterday. 100%. 100%. Or at least have, you know, a copy of that, like when you're running out on the field and you have, like, the red, you know, the red, white, and black one and do, like, the inverse one like that. That was dope. I like, I like that. I mean, even during that season, that's the banner they ran through into games was the black flag with the red G. Didn't they have that at, at center field? Not center field, at midfield as well? Like, was it the was the G red at that point? It was. Okay. It was red for a while because I've actually, like, I've got some, like, the wall banner portrait things of the stadium with mm. uh, with the red G on there. Mm, nice. Nice. Bring that, do throwbacks, have that. Um, just like the NBA does with their throwback, uh, like, like course when they wear their throwback jerseys, like the Pistons have their teal on. And they put it yeah. like threw it back to like the like mid you know mid to late nineties core like just beautiful. That'd be cool if they did. One thing like- we do not need to bring back: um, singular wireless headsets. <laughs> did you know anybody with singular wireless? My, my mom had it. Like that was our first like service. That was that was my mom's first cell service yeah. too. <laughs> and didn't they get bought out by like AT and T? I want to say that because I think she's. I don't think she, my mom has ever changed. She has AT and T right now. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think it went from singular to eighteen too. Yeah, man, that it brought back so many memories of the singular commercials. Where they yeah, well, yeah. didn't they used to have like the raising the bar where they would have short people to tall people with surfboards and yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm like, one another thing I want to see brought back. I want the dog bones on the helmets. Yeah, that was the, that's the one thing that Kirby that yeah I, I and that was only a Coach Rick thing right No, no, it wasn't. I know it stopped yeah. when Kirby got to, yeah. got to campus. But it, did they do that before him? Be, like, just, was it just a Rick thing? Because I thought it went back before that. I thought like I, I thought it did too. I think it did. I think they had. I, I think I remember dog bones like with like Herschel and stuff like that. I think there may be like a Mandela effect type thing. I don't know. Let's let's. I'm pulling up a uh, GeorgiaDogs.com article. 
So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, back before Kirby came to Athens, the back of they like how Ohio State has stickers for like, oh, you farted too loud. Here's a sticker on your helmet. You used to have to earn those at Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. So important things in games you did got you white bones. And then if you got a B or a higher in a class or a test or a project or something, you got a black one. So it was academic and athletic excellence, right? So they, I'm trying to find and see the history of it here. We may have. But they, were so, they were so cool. I think like at this point, like while you're looking that up, like I think there's only, I think I, I want to say it's only Michigan and Ohio State that do the sticker thing at this point. I think I, I want to say they brought that up in like the in the in that game's like broadcast. I'm pretty sure. So. I, I have a legitimate question for you. Okay. What are the different stickers on Michigan's helmet? And I know we're getting way off on a tangent here. Guys, they, but. So they they changed that up recently because Harbaugh didn't know. I don't think he always did that while he was the, that, or, you know, while he's been the head coach there because he, they, they have individual ones for like specific games. Um, so it's not just like the dog, but like the different color, like dog bones. Like it has like, like personalized, like, like I think it had like personalized like stats on each one. Like they'll have like a Wolverine on it or whatever. They used to have a Wolverine on it, and it would have like individual like this is what you did like specifically, so they can look at it and like like oh yeah I did I did do that like type thing. Um, so it's not like any kind of symbolism. Like it, I think it just says like straight up like this is what you did for that um, for that uh, Wolverine or just like that whatever symbol is on it at this point. Because it used to be I mean like. And this is going even like further back with like Bo Schembechler and stuff like that. It was just like these ugly ass Wolverines that they had on the stickers. And, yeah. Um, not the cool like throwback logo that they had, but just like a fucking, you know, <laughs> skunk looking Wolverine on there. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's, just, I think it's just like for individual game performances and it'll say what, what they did in each game. It will say the game and you know, what they did. So, the article I found said that it was just a Rick thing with the dog bones. Hmm. I'd like to see it brought back regardless because I just think it's cool. It's the same thing as the, uh, as the, uh, you know, the, the savage pads, like in a, in a way, I mean, it was like pre that obviously, but like, you know, right. Kids fucking love stickers. Give them some stickers. Uh, yeah. Everybody loves a sticker. You should go buy something from our website. <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Go back. Um, so finally getting into the game itself here. So David Green was a quarterback. I'm sure a lot of people know that. Um, so David Green finished the 2002 regular season with the highest passer rating in the SEC with a phenomenal completion percentage of 57%. which today would get you benched. Mm-hmm. Um, but 138 passer rating with 57% completion, which... How do you do that? <laughs> well, I don't even know how passer rating is calculated, if I'm being entirely honest. It's, it's different for college, too, because like I know like in the NFL, it's like 156 or something like that, point something. I think in college, it goes up to like 200 or something. Like it's not the QBR thing that, uh, that ESPN uses. It's something different. Yeah, no idea how that's calculated. That, again, we don't do math here, so I... <laughs> yeah, I, we don't I, use I, facts. We don't use math. 
we're just 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 you know, on yeah you know just for just for the sake of it everything we said to this point is completely made up too there was no sec championship yeah there's still no sec championship no alabama no. has just won every game ever and everything else is a lie we're all just scrimmaging and just getting ready for Alabama. That's all it is. Like nothing, nothing fucking counts ever. Right. And, you ever. know, sometimes, sometimes other teams are too good and don't deserve to play Alabama is what it is. Oh, um, so something that's wild to me going back and watching this game in 2002, the positions on the offense, position titles. They had they didn't have wide receiver like it, now if you've got two wide receivers and a slot receiver it's just wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver no nope, they had split end and flanker even in two thousand and two and Kelsey did not know what those were when we watched this game I was like you see SE and FL it's like yeah I was like that's because they didn't call them wide receivers then they were they were split ends and flankers. Just yeah, flanker. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, very first drive that Arkansas had. Georgia special teams in the SEC championship game. A tradition like no other. Sometimes good, see. sometimes terrible. It's still a tradition. You know, fake punt on fourth and ten. Or you block something and take it to the house, you know, is what it is. Peaks and valleys. I mean, I, is there has there been an SEC championship appearance? I'm sure there's been like one, maybe against like an L, like LSU in like what 2011 or whatever. But like, I, I vaguely remember that one too. But is, there's always a special teams play, black field goal. I, I think it, in the uh, in that broadcast, Boss Bailey blocked three uh, three field goals that year. Yeah, but not, no, not, I, not in the game, but like he, you know. Yeah, that season. In one single year. That's insane. But 2011 SEC Championship, Georgia gave up that punt return to the Honey Badger where he dropped the ball before he got in the end zone and they didn't, and it wasn't called. Special teams in Georgia and SEC Championship. It's always there. <laughs> it's going to make a break the game. But on the first possession of this game against Arkansas, Arkansas went for a punt, three and out, they punt the ball. It's blocked and return to the two-yard line. Which, you know, Musa Smith just ate, like, three people on his way to the end zone there. Yeah. I mean, that was – that you forget about how like, how big running backs were back then. I mean, you see guys – I mean, you know, obviously they're, you know, big and cut now, but Musa was a fucking tank. Yeah. No, I mean – that's a great point because now you've got like running backs or anywhere between I so like Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State was five seven. If that and then you've got yeah, and then you've got guys like uh Derek Henry who are like six four. And it's anywhere between just run through you. But back in the day, it was like if you're not six two, you're not a running back. Mm-hmm. Nuts. So Georgia's 2002 special teams, we kind of hinted at it. I I wrote the stats down here. They had three special teams touchdowns, five blocked punts, four blocked field goals, and three of those 
were by Boss Bailey. Everything I just told you was a school record in 2002. Damn. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, I, I, it, it, just in, insane. I mean, like, I mean, you're lucky to have, you know, one or two block, you know, block kicks, just period. I mean, and just them doing that, like, habitually, like, one every three or four games, it's crazy. Well, if they had nine total and they played 12 games, it's almost an average of one a game. Damn. Um, I, I was trying to look up uh, Musa Smith stuff, like, so when he – his playing weight in college, he was six foot. They said he's six foot, even two thirty two. So basically, I'm the size of Musa Smith. No, no way, no, <laughs> no. no fucking way. <laughs> that man is way bigger than that. Those shoulder pads are big. They don't add what looks like forty pounds and two inches of height. Yeah. When did that change? By the way, like that seemed like that was a thing. Like, like recently, like they just have the skinny like shoulder pads. Like Randy Moss, if you look at him, like you know when he was at Marshall, or whatever, like he had like the shoulder pads that added like like six or seven inches, like to it, went up like halfway up his helmet. Yeah, it was <laughs> insane. I don't know how he would be able to you know lift above his head, but that's a great. Yeah. That's a great question. We need to look into that. Is when did shoulder pads become unclown like? I mean, hell, even when I was playing peewee football, like, I couldn't move at all. Like, in that, I mean, that was around the same time that this game was going on. But, like, you had no, like, mobility in it. I mean, not that you had to be fast. You just had to, you know, push through people. But, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't get it. So, just in the first quarter of this game, I think I saw more I-formation offensive plays than the last five years of all college football minus the service academies combined. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. It's beautiful. And, you know, we're talking about Musa Smith. He was the first thousand yard rusher in a single season since Garrison Hurst in 1992. It didn't even seem like Garrison Hurst played that like 10 years before that. Like it felt, I felt no. like Garrison, you know, that Musa like rolled into Garrison Smith, uh, Garrison Hurst. But yeah, damn, time. I don't understand time, math. Again, I don't get it. We make it all up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a spectrum. But in that 1992 season, Garrison Hurst was a Heisman contender. And it took a decade for Georgia to get another 1,000-yard rusher. And that's wild considering Georgia is a contender every year for run RBU, running back university. Like, just the history of running backs. I mean, you can go all the way back to – from Musa Smith, it rolled. You may have had, like, a year gap, and then it goes no Sean. And then yeah. right after no Sean, or a couple years later, it was Todd Gurley, Keith Marshall. And then that rolled into Sony and Nick. And then that rolled into DeAndre Swift and Brian Harry. And then that rolled into um, – What, Kenny and, and – Zamir White and, and James Cook. yeah. And that rolled into Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton. And then now, I mean, we got Kendall and Dajan and Andrew Paul, who was uh, making a bunch of noise in fall camp. Mm. And uh, and then you got Roger Robinson, who we're big fans of. And Branson Robinson, too. What? And Branson Robinson, for that matter. Branson Robinson. I forgot about him for a second. Yeah, no. I Mini, mini Chubb. Yeah, no, it's – it's wild they went a decade without a thousand yard rusher, and then it was just like, oh, 
You need an elite running back. Here's five. Take your pick. So David Green, I'm going to go back to his stats because it's still – it just just tells you how different football was in 2002. David Green was considered a very good quarterback. And, I, you know, he was drafted by the Falcons, a couple injuries, kept him out of staying in the league for a while. But he was a very good quarterback in college. 2002 season, he was considered one of, if not the best quarterback in the SEC. 138 passing passer rating with 38 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. 17. 17. 17. That's almost that is just uh, so close to a one inter, or one interception for two touchdowns. Wait, he had wait, wait, he had you said he had 17 interceptions? Yeah. Oh, shoot. So, saying I was looking at, at at this one, like in 2002, he had – that's David Green, right? Yeah. He had uh, almost 3,000 yards, 22 touchdowns, eight, eight picks. The 2001, he had 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Maybe that was his career numbers, was 38 and 17. He – so, t- uh, career totals he had – um, 59% com- uh, completion percentage, uh, 11,528 yards, which I think Aaron Murray just barely broke. Like, he was not too much over that. Um, 72 touchdowns, 32 interceptions. Damn, that's a lot in four years. Um, passer rating was 138. And rushing, his career rushing total, negative 258 yards. <laughs> so we had we have, we've had, we have more rushing yards than David Green. So just take, you know, take a bow. Yeah, you know, I've never if you're been listening to this SEC podcast, game. you probably have more rushing yards than David Green. I've never taken a sack in an SEC game. <laughs> so 38-17 touchdown-interception ratio I got from the broadcast. Oh, okay. Like, I, I wrote it down from the – maybe that was 01 and 02 combined. I don't really know. Yeah, that makes sense because if you – yeah, if you combine the two of them, yeah, that's 17 interceptions and uh... – like 20, 30, 39 touchdowns? He had one after they said this in the game, so that would be oh, okay. 39. Yeah, so I didn't make it up. I just did not have any clue what they were talking about on the broadcast, but don't blame me for that. Blame uh, the high-definition quality copy that I was yeah. that I was watching. So, Georgia – First two possessions, block field goal. First play was a touchdown. They scored fourteen points in ninety seconds in, of possession time in this game. That was pretty much the end of the game. Uh, I mean, that was total score for this game was thirty to three. And uh, if I feel like if Georgia wanted to, they could have run the score up more, just because the score was what 17 to 3 go or 16 to three, 16 to 0 going in the half and they scored two touchdowns in the uh, in the second half yeah man that just i want to quite call it like the joyless like murder ball like that we saw not not joyless for us but like joyless murder ball like <laughs> we saw at the national championship but I mean, just the the execution and just just being on top of it was 
especially that especially that first quarter were, was just like beautiful. I mean, it reminds you a lot of like what you see like you know the last couple of years. Yeah. So I, next bullet here on my list: Arkansas had one first down in the first quarter, and it was from a penalty. Mm-hmm. They they had seven yards total going into or eleven yards total at the end of the first quarter without penalty yards. Like the Florida game this year. Kind of, kind of broad view here away from the game. They showed Vince Dooley, who was the athletic director at the time, in the booth, and um, a young er Vince Dooley, but he was still like you could see in the box behind him. People were talking and eating, and he was very front row of the box, like hunched over watching the game intently. Jumping up and yelling when Jordan like slammed it, he slammed his fist down one time like super hard, like almost broke the the counter there. Yeah, he I mean that's the, why that's why the Georgia Dome fell. It was still recovering from the 2002 Vince Dooley smash. That that is a clip that we need to stitch together. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Got uh, the boss in front of it. Oh, all that. There you go. Perfect. Oh, um. So. I got a question, and you probably don't have the answer to this. Terrence Edwards, how was he not talked about more by every Georgia fan, including us? It's it's disrespectful. I mean, just you know, if you didn't know anything about Terrence Edwards, like he's he's, I mean, obviously he's the, he's a career leader in uh in you know reception yards and all that, and he's the he's the, in the single season record too, like which. He didn't go over a thousand either, did he? Or he's the only one to go over a thousand yards, right? He is the only Georgia wide receiver to ever break a thousand yards, and he had a thousand and four in the two thousand and two season. All of the guys you had: AJ Green, uh, uh, George Pickens, Lad McConkey, uh, you know, even Brock Bowers. You know, this year is being a pa- pass catcher, um, uh, and just all these guys haven't necessarily sniffed it. And that's crazy. Like in a program like this, like even. Fucking Michigan has had like dozens of thousand yard receivers, and they they just started passing the ball in like two thousand one. So yeah, it's insane. And, I mean, just talk about Tavares King. What he did with Aaron Murray yeah. was insane. Mm-hmm. For those for those of you that may not know, Tavares King played for Georgia with Aaron Murray, and up until the Sugar Bowl against Baylor, Tavares King had. Almost every single game, Georgia receiving record, period. Most yards, most catches, most touchdowns, everything. Like, he had every single game record. Never broke a 1,000 yards. Makes no sense. Ter- like, just, I mean, like, if, you, if you've never seen Terrence Edwards play, like, just, like, the couple of receptions that he had in this game were, were electric. Like. Oh, yeah. Incredible. I mean, that especially one, for that I want to say it was. I want to say it was in the first quarter. He caught a little tunnel screen and, like, with one move, made two guys miss and got, like, mm-hmm. 20 yards on the play. Yeah, that was incredible. Like, you, I mean, you didn't see that coming, like, at all. Like, you, that was all him. Yeah, Terrence Edwards, if he cloned a 18-year-old version of himself and put him in college football today, that, that guy would have 1,000 yards by week eight. For sure. Hundred percent, yeah. It, we and everyone else that is a Georgia fan needs to talk about Terrence Edwards more. Put some respect yeah. on his name. 
Yeah. Put all of the respect on his name. All the respects. All the Fs in the chat. So I was actually wrong a second ago. The first quarter, Georgia had 156 total yards to eight by Arkansas. So, and just um, – I'm going to look it up here. Just the number of sacks that Georgia had on Matt Jones, who – Matt Jones was a good – he was a very good quarterback in college. He – like, it didn't – if you haven't seen Matt Jones, like, stats, go look him up because he was a – Great quarterback. And our friend uh, Connor O'Gara in the for the Saturday Down South podcast did an interview recently with Matt Jones just talking about his career. Um I, I mean that was that was great to listen to just by everything that he went through and did and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, super interesting. And like he didn't and he got drafted as a wide receiver in, in, in the NFL. Like he wasn't even a quarterback. Like that's how good of an athlete that man was. Yeah. Just a country boy from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I can find the box score for this game. I, am um, I, I think I got hard. it here. I was trying to look it up. Um, uh, what, what were you look, trying to look for? How many sacks Georgia had on Matt Jones? Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not seeing it on there. I'll, I'll kind of keep looking for it just because I'm curious now because I they they were all over that man that whole first half. Yeah. I mean, and there's something that I want to talk about later with David Pollock um, here in just a minute because it, his story and just we'll, – we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Hmm. But, I mean, just we were talking about a minute ago how the game has changed since 2002. I would say half of the plays made by either defense or penalties today. Oh, Yeah. I mean, targeting, yeah, unnecessary roughness, roughing the quarterback. It was you had to be a man's man to play football in two thousand and two. You mm-hmm. were getting your ass beat every play, every single play. And while while we're on the subject of refereeing, one thing that I thought was really cool that the referees did in this game and. That's right. You guys are listening to me say something positive about some refs. Total coincidence. <laughs> the head ref brought the team captains together in the middle of the game, stopped the play, stopped the clock, brought the captains together, and was like, hey, guys, get your teams under control. Because there was a lot of pushing and shoving after plays and people talking back and forth. Like, if they did that today, I would be all for it. Because at that point, like, if it starts getting out of hand, stop the game, bring the captains together, and say, here's the deal. Get your teams under control, because next time we see anything after a play, it's a 15-yard penalty. Doesn't matter. You've been warned. Go talk to your teams 15 yards from this point. They do that in hockey all the time um, after, like, you know, fights and, and, you know, a lot of shippiness all the time. I would be 100% behind that. That would be nice. Except for with the Savannah Ghost Pirates. Um, I mean, they don't let them fight I mean, big games. 
I mean, you should get your money back if they don't fight because I mean, they're not great right now, but they're you know they're going to leave a piece of you on the ice. No, and that's how it was early in the season. Like every game had multiple fights, and then now, like if it starts to get, if the refs think there's going to be a fight, they get in between the players that are talking to each other. Like man, it's hockey. That's why we're fucking watching it. <laughs> like this is hockey. You should not retire with any of your real teeth left. No. No. Not at all. I'm going to use a term right here that pretty much every real football fan hates. David Green was sneaky athletic in this game. That boy was thick. (laughs) He was, but he had four carries for 17 yards, and three of those were first downs. Sneaky, athletic, gritty. Yes. What's the other adjective? All the things you hear talking about white guys in, in football. All the things they say lad is, except right. 20 years earlier. <laughs> but no, like I said, he had four carries, 17 yards, three first downs on those four carries. It's so weird watching him throw left-handed, too. Like, you, like, for, it yeah, threw I, me I always forget so about that every time before. Like, yes. you know, like, oh, yeah, David Green. And then it just throws me off. Like, what, how, why the fuck is he throwing it like that? Oh, he's left-handed. Like, you don't – you. it's just – it's it's jarring. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I – because, like you said, you forget because you don't watch him play football all the time. And the very yeah. first pass he threw, I was like, boot – what? Why is he bootlegging? Oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he's he went to the left because he's left-handed. That's got to – that's got to mess with the defense. I mean, because, like, how many left-handed quarterbacks would you, would you see, like, in a four-year span? I mean, you know, or even, like, in a, just in a year. Like, it's not many. I mean, that's literally was going to be my next statement is that having a left-handed quarterback would be like having a left-handed closer in baseball. So here's the part where I'm going to talk about David Pollock because I went on a deep dive at halftime of this game. So David Pollock in this game, in the first half of this game, Tied the single-season sack record for the University of Georgia with five minutes left in the first half. Which, if you don't know anything other than David Pollock as a defensive end, it's like, oh, he's a three-time All-American. Yeah, of course he tied it. David Pollock came to the University of Georgia as a fullback, a position that's not really used anymore except for by the 49ers. Yeah. In his first season, he he transitioned from fullback to offensive tackle. And then in the summer between his freshman and redshirt freshman season, he transitioned to defensive end. And is, I think it would be hard to argue that he is not the best defensive end to ever play at the University of Georgia. It's hard to argue against that. I mean, Richard Seymour might have something to say, but um... – David Pollock is one of two three-time All-Americans ever play for UGA. That uh, – Three-time first team. For someone to play – for someone to play – I mean, you know, know, usually if you're that good, you just play, you know, three years and you might have a good, you know, one or two seasons. But three-time All-American is impressive. Redshirt freshman, sophomore, and then redshirt junior. Yeah. Insane. 
And he still has a single-season sack record. Pretty sure he has the career sack record. Yeah, I would be shocked if he didn't have that still. And, I mean, like, if you go back and watch his highlights, you will – you will see what we're talking about. But like I said, one of only two three-time All-Americans to play for the University of Georgia has almost every sack record you can think of. And if you watch this game and think, man, this kid's only been playing defensive end for six months. Wild. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of Georgia fans have got a bad taste in their mouth with David Pollock because he's intellectually honest on college game day. He's the only – I think he's the only host, I mean, except for surprisingly Pat McAfee. That's like, yeah. I don't care about my allegiances. I don't care about my friends. These are my true thoughts. Because everybody else, like, you don't see Kirk Herbstreit pick against Ohio State. Desmond that, Howard thought Michigan was going to the national championship this year. That's the only one he got kind of close to being right, kind of. Yeah, I mean, wait, A&M didn't win the national championship? Didn't he pick uh, – he picked Pitt to be in there too, right? Like – Yes. Uh-huh. I can't even remember the other one. He had like a – It was Pitt, A&M, Michigan, and Utah. <laughs> a little bit wrong. Just a little. Just, just a little. I would never – I would never make a wrong prediction ever. <laughs> so, first half of this game comes to a close – and, you know, Arkansas did some things in the second quarter. They um, they had 74 total yards at the end of the first half. You know, found a way to move the ball. Um, Georgia had 273 total yards at the end of the first half. And their first drive was only two yards. Four touchdown, but it was two yards. So we already kind of talked about how defense – Defensive players then would have been penalized a ton now. This game was full of penalties. Georgia had 11 penalties for 100 yards with six minutes left in the third quarter. They finished the game with 12 penalties for like 125 yards. And Arkansas also had like nine penalties for 100 and something yards. Yeah, it was ugly. It was, it was not, it was not pretty. So And we've already talked about this part a lot. Edwards, Terrence Edwards, in this game, was up to 900 and something yards, closing it on that 1,000-yard mark, which it took him 13 games to get 1,000 yards, and he finished the season with 1,004 yards as the only wide receiver in Georgia history to ever break that 1,000-yard mark. But he missed two games. Mm, Okay. So he missed the two games before the Tech game with a separated shoulder that he said, I'm not going to not play the rest of the season because my shoulder hurts. So he played against Tech with a separated shoulder, the SEC championship with a separated shoulder, and then against Florida State to get over 1,000 yards, all with a separated shoulder. I don't make him like that. That's a man's man right there, shoot. They don't make him like that anymore. To get that – I mean, he was taking monster hits, catching passes, blocking downfield for the run game. Marvin Harrison can take take some notes. (laughs) So could Quinn Ewers if we're going there. (laughs) There we go. 
And if you don't know what a separated shoulder is, it's where your collarbone that attaches to your shoulder, and you can trace your collarbone, find that little joint there. It's where the cartilage that holds your collarbone in place tears. Ugh. So your collarbone and your shoulder are not connected at that point. Skull. <laughs> and, and he still did all of what he did. And he was only six foot tall, too. Like he wasn't a big, big guy. He was like, six foot 190. And he did all that. Man, he, tough. Yeah. You put you put Terrence Edwards. 18-year-old Terrence Edwards in last year's Georgia offense, that would have been stupid. Mm -hmm. It would have been unfair. So I know we're all over the place in this one, guys. We didn't really we didn't really plan it with too much time in advance, you know, just being completely honest here. But the next time we do it, we will have it more organized. I know we're jumping around some. But I'm going to go back to the referees for a second. Because the referee from this game – Sounded like a very wealthy man from Mississippi in the 1920s with his top and bottom lip full of tobacco. <laughs> Imagine Foghorn Leghorn with a microphone. Well, I say. Why well, never? Yes. That's what the referee sounded like. It was. Oh, it was wild. And uh, we had we had a Benjamin Watson sighting in this game. One catch, 20 yards, and a touchdown. That was what put dogs at 30 points total. I, and I just want to talk about all of the names in this game for UGA because there's I'm, – I'm sure I'm going to forget some. But here's just the list of names that I picked out during the broadcast. Obviously, Boss Bailey, Champ Bailey's younger brother, all-time great. Tim Jennings. Um, you Even if you're a relatively new football fan, you probably remember Tim Jennings because he just retired from the NFL like three or four years ago. Did he really? Yes. He played. He was a safety for the Bears, and then I want to say he went to the Raiders or the Chargers or something. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he. I want to say it was like, 2017 when he retired he he won a super bowl like four or five all um four or five pro bowls awesome safety obviously you got david pollock david green dj shockley who was an insane athlete and if he would have been able to stay healthy in his career there's no telling what he would have been able to do and the and broadcast then, said he missed a few games that that season. Like he played in the Clemson game and then got hurt. Uh, what he what, he broke his leg, I think. I think they said he broke his leg and then he came back towards the end of the year. Yeah. And then he got hurt in that 2005 campaign, or they probably would have made the national championship. Hmm. Um, another name that you guys probably remember because he just retired recently, Thomas Davis. He was a safety for Georgia. A lot of people don't remember that before he transitioned to inside linebacker in the NFL. That's a big change. <laughs> Damn. Musa Smith, a another guy that just recently retired with, you know, at least one Super Bowl ring. Benjamin Watson, he's now an analyst on the SEC Network, played for the Patriots for what seemed like 30 years. 
Awesome, awesome guy. Max Gene Giles, offensive lineman, one of the all-time great offensive linemen for the University of Georgia. Terrence Edwards, who we've already talked about multiple times. And like I said, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. Oh. Like I, I'm, sh- I'm sure I am. Uh, oh, you know John who the kicker? No, who? The, oh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say this probably isn't any relation, but Billy Bennett was the kicker. I don't. Yes, I do. I don't think there's a relation to Stetson, but I do remember the name Billy Bennett because he was Georgia kicker. You, you know. Oh yeah, there we go. Um, but I mean, we already talked about it a lot. The second half of the game, they pretty much didn't do anything. Neither team. Um, Arkansas kicked a field goal, which their fans were not happy about because they got the ball down to, like, the five-yard line when they were down 20-something points and went for three, question mark. Um, But back in the day, they had the Wrangler play of the game, right? And it was the Wrangler five-star play of the game. But instead of it being the CBS broadcast call, they had Larry Munson's blocked punt call as their five star Wrangler five star play of the game. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, that was awesome. It was, yes. And then you know because the game was thirty to three and over, going late in the fourth quarter, Vern and Todd just spent like three minutes talking about. Um, so at first they were like, you know, before I got to spend some time with Larry Munson. I didn't really like his style of broadcasting games. They were like, he uses we a lot, and he's very emotional and attached to his team. And they were like, and then we talked to him and spent some time with him. And they're like, we've converted. We think every hometown broadcast should be like this. As it should. Yes. As it should. Larry Munson effectively changed the way radio calls were done with the way that he – poured his heart and soul into the game and you could hear when he was nervous and you know he he would like pray during games for big plays <clears throat> it hurt him just as much as it would hurt you and me like if they if they didn't if know, not more form. yeah like yeah like mm-hmm. and you know this was obviously 2002 six years before larry retired in 2008 and then he passed away in 2011 and just hearing them like SEC championship game, If it, this was to a point where if Georgia won this game and either Ohio State or Miami lost their conference games, Georgia was playing for a national title. In the middle of the game, they just spent like three or four minutes talking about how much they loved Larry Munson. Hell yeah. Yes. So to kind of close out the the last part of the game here, the defense, this 2002 defense against the 2002 Arkansas Razorbacks was uh, was very reminiscent of the 2021 defense against that year's Arkansas Razorbacks. Yes. Because they 2002, they allowed 139 total yards and only three points. In four quarters, 139 total yards. It's unreal. Just makes you laugh a little. Like, this is the best Arkansas team in years, and it would be until, you know, Darren McFadden came in. But absolutely insane. 
Also, this is just a reminder that Arkansas has made more SEC championship games than South Carolina has. At what, two, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're South Carolina's been in forever, but okay. Call me a tree because I'm throwing shade everybody. Oh, so, you know, I know we have some newer fans that listen to the show. So after this game, the Georgia Bulldogs will be led by Mark Rick to New Orleans to beat his mentor and former employer, Bobby Bowden and the Florida State Seminoles in the Sugar Bowl. And I got sweet memories of 2002 on the SEC and the Sugar Bowl too. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, that was, you know, it, a lot of people say in a negative way, Georgia or Kirby is Mark Rick 2.0, which at this point has been proven to be false. But the way that it was like his, um, his total coming out moment was beating his mentor, who at the time was and probably is still revered as one of the best college coaches. Oh, sure. Ever like and Bobby Bowden and then Kirby beating Nick Saban like that was Kirby had already shown up on the scene before he beat Nick Saban, um, but he kicked in the door and said, "This is my house now." So I just you know the way things mirror and like we said, you know Mark Rick, if it was the college football playoff, probably would have played for a national championship in two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal defense. Hey, that 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 team, I'm convinced. Because, like, if you if you go back, like, I don't know how many people, you know, that listen to the show, like, paid attention to 2002 Ohio State besides the national championship game. The only people, I mean, they had some, you know, they had a you know, really good defense. But the only, like, skill player they had on offense is Maurice Claret. I mean, that dude was a fucking beast. Like, you know, the, his one freshman year before he tried to go to the NFL and all that. But I'm convinced that if, if Georgia had played Miami in – that national championship, it would have been, it would have been at least a game. Like that Miami team yeah. is stacked, but um, they, they that Miami team State is State. potentially the greatest collection of talent mm-hmm. ever. In Ohio State, so, one kind of phantom PI, but yeah, yeah. No, so, I, I definitely think it, it should have been, it should have been a conversation. Mm-hmm. But you know, is what it is. You can't, you can't, you can't lose can't. Florida that year. Right. Yeah. Inexplicably. But I mean, that was that was kind of what that I you know not to talk poorly, but I was kind of what did Mark Rick in like 10, 11 win seasons, but losing the one game that you couldn't lose. Yeah. For no real reason. Mm-hmm. And Always you know, we've already talked about how much we love Mark Rick on this show, but that doesn't happen under Kirby, mm-hmm. except twenty nineteen. As I say, like the one, the South Carolina game, like since like since 2017, it's only been that South Carolina game. And that South Carolina game, like we've already talked about it. I think Wes and I talked about it last week. Without Dominic Blaylock, that 2019 team goes like eight and four. Oh, 100 percent Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that just is what that, that is. That would have undid all the goodwill that you know, that 2017 season had, had, uh, you know, brought, yes. you know, Kirby in the program. I couldn't imagine going eight and five or yeah, seven to five, eight and four after that. But, you know, 
Kirby turned around and fired the reason for that, a.k.a. James Coley. Um, Is he still on the Texas A&M staff? I have no idea. So he got hired away by – I think I thought he got hired away by A&M. He did. I'm, Kirby had already said you're not the offensive coordinator anymore. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, you demoted him, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he is still the wide receivers coach at Texas A&M. Which, That's, you know – Makes sense. A&M has a couple good wide receivers. Like, there's, there's no denying that. You just couldn't give him the damn ball. Well – that was Jimbo's offense. It's thousand page playbook. <laughs> thousand page and um, the playbook that I have has as many plays as Jimbo's has that work. That's <laughs> zero. Can't beat App State with that, as I know. Oh. All right. So, do you have any closing thoughts on this 2002 SEC championship game? No, I mean, that I mean that was a hell of a way to start a career. I mean, uh, starting a Hall of Fame career, like really like being into that that national spotlight. And like that, the next – the next uh, – really, I mean, that next 10 years, I mean, from t- 2002 to 2012 were, you know, before Kirby got there, I mean, arguably probably the second best stretch that this program ever had. And that – and again, that's why Mark Rick is, um, is going to be – or, you know, is going into the Hall of Fame. Um, is incredible. I mean, it it really was like it, it's underappreciated how how he changed the culture from what it was in the '90s and what he was able to accomplish in such a short time. I mean, in his second year, of bringing them to the SEC championship and and dominating and finishing number three in the AP and and, and I mean, just incredible, incredible. And it doesn't. I mean, one of the downside, the one really the only downside to what the success the teams had over the past, you know five, six years is that it might, it's probably going to be forgotten about. And it was, it was a sweet ass time. Yeah. No, I mean, it, dirt from 2002 to 2012, Georgia, I think was in, started in the AP poll, ranked in the AP poll every season and only finished unranked maybe twice. Yeah, may, I, I think it was once, but it may have been twice. That, yeah, at least here. once, if not twice. Yeah, they were they were unranked um, against. Well, I don't know if uh, that year that they beat TCU in the Liberty Bowl. I don't know if we if we. Well, that was Kirby's first year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. 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 But uh, I mean, yeah, like. That, and that's a conversation that I have with people all the time that talk about Georgia was terrible until Kirby got there. And I was like, Georgia's winning the average number of games a year that Georgia has won in the 21st century up until this season. And it, the average moved up. It was 10.2. Which is like what tops, like one of the top like seven or it's eight top three. teams. Yeah, like, like – Good Lord. The only two teams in the 21st century that have better winning percentage than the University of Georgia is Oklahoma, or Ohio State and Alabama. It's impressive. Yeah. No, I and that I mean that goes to Mark Richt and then Kirby picking it up and improving upon it, but I, this program has been elite since 2002 mm-hmm. as a program. 
And over the last few years, it's only gotten better. Mm. I know we're getting off on a way tangent here, but I mean, like that is like how once again, the mirror effect, how the 2017 season, Kirby's second year, kind of like he walked into the room of elite people and coaches and programs in college football. Mark Rick did that in his second year in 2002. And it was like, we're here until you drag us out kicking and screaming. And he did that too, like just after, you know, at least what 15 years or so of just like kind of wandering in the desert like aimlessly like the 90s were not a good time for the program i mean no no since like what the mid what the mid to late 80s through you know that 2002 season or you know leading up to the 2002 season was not great <laughs> i mean you were getting yeah. your ass kicked by florida every year and just it, it wasn't a good time you had talent but you weren't winning anything of like like substantial or of substance so yeah, I mean, Mark Mark Rick needs more respect on his name as well. We keep that's been a theme this whole uh, this whole episode, but he definitely does. Yeah, no, I'm, and it's probably because it's been twenty years, but the whole like all these people that we named off, they they've kind of been forgotten in in the Georgia fan base. For example, Terrence Edwards. Like, you want to talk about best receivers in Georgia history, and people want to bring up um, George Pickens and AJ Green and they forget about the only guy that's ever had a thousand yards in a single yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And David Green had every passing record until Aaron Murray. And David Pollock, who a lot of people know David Pollock because of college game day, but they don't know what he did at the University of Georgia. And the only reason he didn't do very many things in the NFL is because he broke multiple vertebrae in his neck. Yeah, he only had like what, like 20 or 30 career tackles. Like, it, I mean, it, his career is not long in the NFL. Right. But what he did for the university cannot go understated. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Tim Jennings wasn't even that big of a part of the of the defense. I mean, he started and he played a lot. but mm-hmm. And then he had a 15-year career in the NFL, won a Super Bowl, was mm-hmm. Pro Bowl year in and year out. And then when you talk about safeties, everybody's like, oh, well, you got Champ and J.R. Reed and Lewis Seen and – Tim Jennings is one of the all-time greats to ever play in Athens mm-hmm. just based on his total football career, and he goes unmentioned a vast majority of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I mean, I guess we're just going to wrap it up with this. Go back and watch some of these games, and uh, you'll, uh, you'll learn to appreciate the history of the program more by watching these – players that some went very far in the NFL, some didn't go very far in the NFL, but so many of these guys got their start for their legendary career, whether it was the University of Georgia or in the NFL, from early 2000s and 90s under other coaches and then Mark Richt. I mean, it's insane what he was able to turn that program around into. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think I want to say on YouTube there is a um, there was a no I can't can't find it but like when I was like searching for this game originally they had a um, like the like all the highlights uh, all the highlights from the televised games with like Larry Munson yes. on the call like I now I can't find it but definitely go I, back I started watching it the other day and I I'll post it in the Facebook group yeah the that, like 2002 
football highlights. And then, I mean, first off, you'll get to see all the swag we were talking about because right. that early 2000s gear and the black flag with the red G like that, it's awesome. We need to bring that stuff back. But I think we're going to close it out here, guys. Um, always Instagram, nothing.finer.pod. We've also got all of our merch available on our Instagram shop. Facebook is just search Nothing Finer Podcast. Twitter is at Finer Pod. YouTube, search Nothing Finer Podcast. Make sure it's got our logo on it. And um, I think I think that's kind of it. You got anything else? Oh, uh, go dogs, right? Go dogs. Yeah. All right, guys. Always remember, there is nothing finer in the land. And a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown.